0: Welcome listeners to another episode of the Squire Empire podcast. I got my man John here. How you doing?
1: Good, good. How about you, John?
0: Not bad. Battle of the Johns on the podcast. I know, right, I, right. I, I've been seeing you uh on YouTube. How's that going?
1: It's good. Yeah. Um I've been this it's kind of been a big emphasis for me with my with my real estate business this year is putting out more content on social media. Just kind of there's a lot of stuff that Um, is common knowledge in the real estate industry that maybe the consumer doesn't know. Um, Mm. So just trying to, trying to be helpful, share my knowledge and uh, you know, help out help out people who are out there looking and try to make valuable content, you know? Okay. I
0: mean, can you tell us a little bit more about real estate? I know some of the listeners may be young and are like still, you know, living in apartments and aren't looking to buy at this time, but I'm pretty sure is there things you can share about like your real estate real estate career to date?
1: Yeah. So I've been a realtor for eight years now. Um, I started right when I was 21. Basically my job is to find people who need to buy or sell a house and I help them you know, if they're a buyer, I help them get through the home buying process. Help give them advice on what's going to be a wise investment. You know what you should stay away from. Help them find something that fits their needs and wants, and then uh, help them negotiate, try to get a decent deal in a hot market like we got right now. Just helping them get a place in general because there's bidding wars, and you need to have kind of a good agent on your side to be able to win. Um, and then for sellers, you know, it's not that easy. You you can sell a house, but it's not that easy to sell it for its full value. Real estate is not that liquid of an asset compared uh-huh. to like, you know, people have a lot of their net worth tied up in, in their real estate that they own. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever, you just click sell and boom, it's it's gone. It's sold. With real estate, there's a lot that goes into preparing the home for sale, um, marketing it properly getting enough buyer attention on the property. Um, We need like maximum exposure and get as much excitement around it as we can. Uh, Fielding offers, um, you know, eventually getting an offer accepted, picking the best offer, then working through all the negotiations in the contract to close period. So when I say contract to close, that means uh, from the time the offer is accepted until it's actually at the closing table, when it's completely done, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen. So that's another area where we're helping the client through that whole situation. And then the closing table is when they actually get their money for the house. So, yeah that's so my job is to first off find the people um sometimes I'm in competition where there's multiple realtors trying to earn this person's business, so uh-huh. it's competitive in that aspect like it's it's not like your typical job it's more of being self employed I don't earn a salary. the only money I make is off of the commissions on the homes that I sell uh-huh. um, so that's a little bit that can be stressful at times um, but it's something where you know, the, the earning potential is high. It's a good, it's kind of a high risk career because it can be feast or famine at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but the longer that you're in it and the more people who know who you are, the more people out there who trust you, who refer you to their friends and family, the more like safe and predictable it becomes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, some of the things that like I picked out of there that, that are
0: just like, I think valuable is, The first thing that came to my mind is I think about like, we're both MMA fans. Right. And one of the things that some of them, they have to do is in between fights, kind of like really managing their money really well because they don't know when their next fight is. And I would, it sounds like there's a little bit of overlap with like in your business that like, if you haven't sold a house in a while, you have to be a lot more um, financially responsible about like budgeting your money be- until you know what I mean? Until the next opportunity comes up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a hundred percent the truth. It's probably not as sporadic as like a professional MMA fighter because they might fight what three times a year, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I'm having a, a good year or whatever, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm selling like 35 houses a year. So it's not like I'm going months without selling a home, but you have mm-hmm. to always be prepared for that. Cause that could happen. You might have, you might have five or eight closings in one month and then you might go a whole month without a, a single closing, a single paycheck. So like basically, yeah, you have to be a lot more financially responsible. It's easy. Like when, when a bunch of paychecks hit your bank account to like feel rich and then you want to spend a bunch of money <laughs> and you got to resist that urge. And then when you haven't had paychecks hitting your bank account in a little while, then you feel poor and you're like, Oh my gosh, when is this going to end? When am I going to get some money coming in so yeah it's it's stressful in that aspect if you're not on a hot streak if you're kind of on a cold streak where just things are falling apart and things aren't like you're you're just you're struggling a little bit you got to kind of you got to continue working at it because if you take your foot off the gas and kind of feel sorry for yourself then the cold streak's just going to last even longer and you're going to your problems are going to get worse you know yeah And that's happened to me. I'm not always the best about that, but it's, it's something I've learned through the years that, um, you know, that's a, that's a struggle that basically every real estate agent or probably self-employed person from other industries as well is going to face. And one thing, the other thing that I think is kind of like a, a unique
0: situation that you place yourself in as like a content creator is you being able to wanting to create, you know, meaningful content because that's where we're at now is regardless of the industry you're in, whether you're a brand new business that just started an LLC and you got one customer or you're a multi-million dollar thing, like social media is the way to make sure you're staying relevant. Yeah. And we're both practitioners. So I think that's kind of cool too that you know, later on, now that you have, you like learning how to cultivate content for your like primary profession. If you ever decided to create some jujitsu related content and reels and things like that, I think you already are understanding like the, the effort that it takes to plan it out, make sure the production is good and things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I guess I haven't even thought of it from that aspect, but you're hundred percent right when you're a business person or when you're whenever you're really good at one thing yeah at anything and you have a lot of knowledge in that sus and that subject subject you've got a lot that you can share with people that people are going to find valuable and i think it's just it's all about sharing your knowledge people finding you valuable and what you'll find like what i find sometimes is people who watch my content all the time uh they feel like they know me before we even meet. That's the that's the best outcome I could possibly plan for. Like, you know, people getting to know and trust me um, through the content I put out. They they know that I'm the expert, so it's it's not something I have to ever prove, you know, um, because they've gained so much value from what I've put out already. They know I'm the expert. They trust me already. They they know me already. It's it's pretty cool. Um, and it's not so, like I've been doing video for probably like five years. Like my first videos, I was watching. I watched one of my first videos the other day that I did for real estate, and it was so bad, and I was so <laughs> nervous. So like, it's definitely a, a, a skill that takes a lot of time to uh, to master. So I'm glad I started doing it early on. And for people who are like thinking about doing it as a part of their business, just start doing it. It's like there's a guy I listen to. He always says, "Done is better than perfect." You got to just get those first ones out of the way, start doing it, getting more comfortable, building your skills. Like you're never going to be super skilled at something unless you start trying it, you know? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think that this podcast is a, a testament of that for myself is I had so long that I thought about doing it. And then I was just like, okay, we just have to make this thing go. And yeah, even right now it's, 309 in the morning but when i was like hey i got a long weekend i'm like i'll sacrifice the sleep i was like you tell me when you're ready and i will get out of bed make it happen i think that's really the difference between waiting for your opportunity to break and to get into the industry that you want to and make the impact you want or just waiting for the perfect timing and i i I don't want to give them too much free press because, uh, you know, they're not paying me. But one of these, this like YouTube uh, branding company, you know, they say, you just got to press record. And I'm like, bro, like that is really what it is about. It's just like, you just have to get out there and record the content and deal with the uncomfortable stuff. You know, nature of saying that I had to figure it out, and this wasn't good, and maybe I yeah. had to upgrade the thing because, like you said, people see the value in it. And one thing that um, comes to my mind is one of the people that you helped sell a house was a military person that that I knew like pretty well. And
1: oh, person I who you're talking for,
0: about. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I. I pride myself off of the idea that I don't think I've met really any jiu-jitsu guys in my whole career that have not been awesome standing stand-up people. So when I hear people from a work standpoint uh, rave about the professionalism of a jiu-jitsu guy, I know I'm like, yeah, wow, like this person is like like broke the, <laughs> broke another wall of understanding. Cause I'm like, I only know this person as like a practitioner and, you know, a little bit of their personal life. But for you to say, yo, I dealt with this person in like a financial business aspect and they're solid there too. And I was like, okay, this yeah. is how I know that this person is a little bit different.
1: You know, the people who commit to jujitsu and who are in it for the long run, like that takes a, a level of like persistence and grit Kind of, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe you you find the same thing. Like, if you were, how many people have we seen come through the doors of the gym? You see them maybe for a week, maybe you see them for two weeks, maybe you see them for two months, and then you never see them again. It's like those guys who show up every day, even when they don't feel like it, when it's not pleasant, you know, bad day, whatever. Like those are the type of people who commit to to everything they do. Probably there are a oh, few uh, where jujitsu their only thing they got going, but. I'd say the most of them have that same commitment to their families, to their work, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to ask you, because I think this is a, a a very helpful question. Do you feel like in the real estate market, like as an agent, especially because there's times where you have um, a lot of money coming in, do you find it, that people struggle with, like, wanting to, like, I guess maybe get too much overextended, like trying to create their own, um, like, I guess, portfolio for their own personal purposes? Like, okay, now that I'm making all this money, I'm gonna buy all these houses and I'm gonna rent them out. Do you find people that, like, get, like, maybe go too hard into that? Or do you feel like that's not really a, a conflict that most people struggle with in your position?
1: No, um I think actually kind of the opposite, I think a more common like weakness or struggle would be when the agent is feeling rich and when they've just had a bunch of commission checks uh, hit their bank account or whatever, instead of buying the stuff that nobody sees like buying real estate for investment purposes or, or saving the money away putting it in stocks whatever like what we'd consider the wise choices mm-hmm. they want to show it off you know buy the new Mercedes want they want to buy the new you know like they want to ball out and do all the stuff that everybody can see and the flashy stuff to look rich rather than the stuff. Like I I personally, I buy a rental property. Um, Mm. like I've been doing that. I I bought my first one in 2016 and so I've got a few of them now and that's been one of the best investments I've ever made. You know, of course, when I got, when I had the money to buy those, I could have spent it on something flashy, you know, like car jewelry, whatever. Uh, you know, fancy, fancy house that's beyond what I could afford or whatever. But I think it takes a little bit of a level of discipline to take that money and, you know, put it where something that's not very glamorous uh, takes a lot of work and you're dealing with headaches, you're dealing with, you know, broken toilets, you're dealing with flooding basements and you you have to roll up your sleeves and do some work. Uh, I, I, I think... I think the problem that you're talking about, because uh, I do see it, it's it's wanting to spend on like glamorous stuff and not thinking about the future at all. Interesting. Yeah. Because
0: um, my assumption before you, you know, gave me the, the behind the curtains look of it would be when you're so knowledgeable in an industry that you could leverage your own, like your own skills, your own network, your own framework to put yourself on the right side of the curve and yeah. then the we're humans right we all have different backgrounds and things like that that like guide our decisions but what you're doing kind of like leads into the first part of this interview which is like you now having several rental property properties leaves you in a better place to leave a better legacy in life because now not only could you be able to continue to sell houses for a long time? Yeah, But then you also have the ability that, you know, if you acquire enough rental properties, you could just live off of that money and just be like, you know, like um, just managing those properties and make sure that those families have what they need. You're financially in a spot where you can still live a good life and things like that.
1: Yeah. And I should clarify, like, If I'm going to buy a rental property, like I'm never going to be competing with one of my clients for it. Like I'm never going to undercut them or I'm never going to not show them an opportunity because I want it for myself. Like if my Mm. client, if I have a client who's in the game for that, um, they're always coming first before me. Like Mm -hmm. I, there was a property that, um, came on the market like last week and it was a, you know, it was a side-by-side duplex. Um, and I, I'm, in a situation right now where i do need to find another property but um you know i had a client who was looking for that exact same thing so i'm like i'm, I'm showing it to him he's interested he ends up offering on it and if if that's the situation i'm totally stepping back i'm not going to get involved um, same as if it's a seller that i'm representing um, i've never bought one of my sellers listings um, just because that's too much of like a conflict of interest unless they specifically were like hey we want you to buy this thing it's in such bad shape we can never fix it up and you know we know that you buy stuff fix it up and rent it out we want you to do that that's never happened and i yeah you, you definitely have to steer clear of any of those types of conflicts of interest like you clients always got to come first and i pride myself on being a good landlord too like making sure that my tenants are taken care of, that they have nice properties, anything ever happens. I'm always getting whoever they need over there right away. You know, that's another place where I pride myself on making sure my people are taken care of good, you know? Yeah. I mean, it,
0: it definitely is great to have people with that much integrity in their personal life like being like a landlord but in your professional life i mean i of course i i expected no different but you know it's i i think it's great for us as adults to even see those moments where people might have that thought in their head of like how far does this person's like uh values and ethics like really extend but like i I i love the fact that you took the time to clarify that point because yeah. although it wasn't a question in my mind at all, I think it's good for those people who always have that little bit of skepticism to be able to know like, Hey, like, even though this is a side thing and I really want to continue to set myself up for the future, there are certain lines and boundaries that I won't cross, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like a really hard thing to do, especially when it, comes down to things like that and you know uh, one of the i'll i'll give the listeners a little bit of a sneak peek one of the things i'm going to do a a individual episode on is just as an adult i think a lot of times you deal with situations where you have to determine whether you want to lean into more your charisma to get things in your life done or you want to be more so focused on your character because i think You'll see people who have a lot of charisma, a lot of rapport, and they get a lot of people behind them. But if there's ever a question about that person's character, a lot of times people will cut that person off and be like, okay. oh, I can't follow you anymore. Yeah. But on the other side, when you are more character based and this is just my personal opinion, I find it that your circle of friends is a lot smaller Because you just don't really go out of your way to make a lot of extra relationships. And you're just like, this is who I am. And the people who are with you will run through a wall for you, they'll break their neck, they'll do whatever they can do to help you out. Uh, But you'll just have a really small group of friends. So I think it's really uh, important to kind of recognize where you want to be on that spectrum. It doesn't mean that people who have a lot of charisma don't have a uh, upstanding character. I'm not saying yeah. that at all, but a lot of times when you're focusing so much on being liked and bending things to be more uh, pleasable to a larger audience, sometimes like the integrity that you just explained in that scenario, it's, it's easy to steer away from it, even if that's not your overall goal.
1: Yeah, yeah, charisma might get you far but without character it's it's kind of empty and people are going to see through you eventually. Like you see that in business or in the you know like in the content creating game where somebody somebody just gets by for so long on on being charismatic or being an excellent salesperson or whatever it is. But if they don't actually like do the work, do their homework, if they're not actually as smart and well prepared as like they say they are it's going to come out eventually and they're you know and and like you said in in my business it's it's a character thing and it's good business because if i if i was in a situation like if i ever broke that trust with somebody all it takes is for one person to like if you're a crappy person all it takes is for one person to see your true colors and your name is, you know, is bad in this town, you know, it it, word spreads fast about, you know, who's, who's a trustworthy, good person who acts, does the right thing when no one's looking. And if you're, if you're not that person, it's eventually going to get out and it's, it's going to cause, it doesn't take much for word to spread that you aren't what you say you are basically.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I'm glad that That made sense because it's something, you know, I I have a lot of ideas in my head of of the way I see the world or way I've seen things in my life. But it's always you. Sometimes we just think in a vacuum and we just think like, oh, I I think this way. And I wonder, does anybody else see what I see? So it's kind of good to see that. Yeah, I'm not on an island on my own feeling like sometimes like I'll see people in the military where I'm like, you are a very charismatic person. But then I have questions or maybe behind the scenes, I know that as far as like the execution of who they are, it's normally not not what everybody thinks it is. And yeah. and I've also learned as I've gotten older to not get so emotionally wrapped up in seeing like openly that a lot of people will flock to those, that charismatic person because people want to feel good. People want to be around somebody that, that is giving some type of perceived value that they don't have themselves. And you as a person who's like really just on your purpose and on your own path and journey, you kind of just have to be able to be in that same room and not be stuck with the why not me type situation and just focus on what got you there as far as you've gotten.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like in in my industry, I kind of I see that too, and it's very different, you know, uh, my industry versus you know military life. I can see in military life where it would be somebody who you know knows who's ass to kiss and is really good at kissing ass, rising through the ranks, and they really aren't what they say they are, but they just the the charisma gets them that far, but they don't have the substance to actually deserve it and back it up and like there's people in my industry maybe where they they talk a really good game and they you know they they're a good talker but they don't do the homework to be as good as they say they are you know what i mean like they don't they don't put in the work
0: yeah absolutely so you know and speaking of putting in the work um your new dad i hear
1: yeah dude yeah my wife, she's pregnant. She's like 15 weeks pregnant. So, uh, we're due in December. Okay.
0: So like, I mean, of course, having a kid, that's going to be a big change to normal ops. You know, I think, uh, you know, when it's just you or maybe you and a spouse, it's easy to say, oh, I can work a little later. I can do this. I can just, you can just push, push, push. But when you have a, another human out there that needs you for their whole like (laughs) sustainment of their life. You have to kind of make a lot of uh, balances. So like when you think about legacy for yourself, like as a, you know, a, a professional, as a landlord, as a husband, and now as a dad, like what does legacy mean to you?
1: Man, it's even where I'm at right now, it seems like a lot to juggle with my professional life and my commitment to jujitsu and training and you know working out and staying fit like it's it's a struggle to balance things where they're at right now so it's a little scary to have this new responsibility that's going to come my way um honestly you know it's it's something i don't exactly know what to expect and i don't know how i'm gonna pull it off but i know that you know, being a good dad, you could, you could have all the accomplishments in the world, but if you're not a good dad, it's nothing else really means anything. And I think Mm. everybody kind of knows that. Um, so it's going to be managing my time so I can have, I can spend the quality time, uh, being a father, um, while not, while still staying committed to, you know, the other things, because if you can't provide financially, you're not doing the best that you can for your kid. Um, I think if you're not taking care of yourself physically, you're not doing the best you can for your kid or for yourself. It, so it'll, you know, life's, life's a balancing act. And, uh, man, it's, it's, it's going to be one more, one more thing to balance. Um, we'll see, maybe you'll have to check in with me in a year and see how I'm doing. Maybe I'll be 300 (laughs) pounds, won't be training, won't be working, (laughs) who knows, but (laughs) no, I don't see that happening. I think,
0: um i was think about that like as um, we were leading up to the podcast and you know all practitioners probably can identify with you always have a couple nemesis in the gym that always push you and i was thinking like john logan and jeremy were always the ones where i was like it was always like fight to the death yeah, you know yeah. and you know you're learning and you're like oh, i can't figure out how to get through this so it's like you know, and I think that's the thing I really have been so blessed about the podcast is as I'm building it up, I have good relationships with all the guests. And yeah. I feel like we have, like, we, we like, appreciate each other's character so much. So it kind of like to what we were just talking about, like, if I was a really charismatic person but i didn't have good character i might be able to get people on here but it would be very awkward it seemed very like not very natural but yeah. there's a lot of overlap between our lives like i'm in the military you served some military clients during your time you know as a realtor you know what i mean like yeah. i appreciate your character as a person and as a practitioner. But because I've only heard good things about you professionally and I've seen you in your professional setting, I've watched your YouTube and I've watched your um, like full sit down interviews on YouTube where you're talking about real estate. I'm like, wow, I had no idea. And I always appreciate someone who can do their homework in all their areas. So seeing you as a very proficient leg locker and pretty sure you're always also reading up on you know, the newest real estate guidelines and things of that nature, like I think that is something as a person I'm trying to work on is I'm very, you know, self-admitted, I'm very meticulous in the things I feel very comfortable about. Yeah. But a lot of times I struggle with applying that same level of attention to detail to all the other areas. So I could be more, <laughs> more well-rounded yeah. and more well-read, I think is the way to say it, but that's just something I know about myself. So when I see it in other people, I see it as a possibility, but it's definitely a work in progress for me for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think that's something like we all struggle with, um, as far as like pushing the comfort zone, because that's, that's where growth happens. When, whether you're talking about jujitsu, I think everybody, uh, has that, those times even if it's not always but those times where they want to fall back to their comfort zone and just stay within their comfort zone and you know those are that's not the worst thing ever because you're perfecting techniques that you're already really good at so you got to have that but if you're not trying new things that you aren't good at yet you're probably not going to develop that much and like um, in business taking risks and putting yourself out there and doing things that you normally wouldn't do can lead to growth or it will lead to growth, but it's scary. And it's, I think it's hard for everybody. Um, and like, you know, for me that I think when you're talking about balancing things, probably the thing that gets the least attention and effort for me is like social stuff. Um, cause like my job is very social, uh, I feel like at the end of a week, sometimes my social battery is just drained and you get invited to stuff on the weekend and you're like, God, I just really don't want to do this. Like, I just want to recharge my batteries. My wife, on the other hand, she's like totally the opposite. Anything social, she's like all in for it. It, Mm -hmm. You know, she's an extrovert. She's like, that energizes her and it probably pushes me to do stuff that if I was just on my own or if I was, you know, if my wife wasn't an extrovert, um, that it would be easy for me to stay even more within my comfort zone there. And that's an area of my life that could become like, just, you know, it's, it's good to, it's good to get out of your comfort zone socially in business and in, in training. I guess most people, if they're not jujitsu guys or, gir- or girls, they don't understand that aspect of it, but it, getting out of your comfort zone is really important. And it's, it's something I think everybody struggles with.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And you know one thing um, that I'm happy that we can um, bring up here, since you were talking about your wife, is when you think about like comfort zone and being part of a team. Like I remember, um, I think it was a tournament we went to up in like uh, Minnesota. And, oh yeah, yeah. And correct me if I'm ro- if I'm wrong, but I think you you drove up from Grand Forks and your and your wife at the time she drove down for wherever she was at at that time, right?
1: Uh, no, she came with me. She, yeah, she came
0: with you. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that was something too. Like, you know, uh, me as a person who's trained for a while, you know, like not all girlfriends are really to go ready to go sit at a tournament for you know four or five hours. It just yeah. What and and in that tournament, you didn't even compete. You were just there to support the team, right?
1: Uh no, I I competed in that one. Um, okay, let's see. That was. That was the one where you arm-triangled arm, arm triangled that dude from the bottom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. the one. Yeah, okay. yeah. I competed in that one. That was okay. a rough tournament for me. I think that was, like, my third tournament. I just won the tournament before that. Mm. And then I competed in this one, and I had very little rest between my matches. And I just, like, crushed the first three guys. And then had my fourth match, I had, like, five minutes rest and just sucked. Like, I was so exhausted. And that guy was really tough, and he pushed me really hard. And then I had a uh, – Yeah, then I had a fifth match, I believe, that I just because I had even less rest than between the fourth and the fifth, and oh, I just did terrible. That knocked that knocked me down a peg. I thought I was pretty awesome after I won the first one, before the one before that. I thought I was going to come in there and beat everybody, and then yeah, did not do well in that tournament. But you crushed it. You got gold, I believe, right?
0: I think so. I think I got gold in one, and I think I got silver in the other one. Okay.
1: Well, you know, it's funny,
0: like I this kind of just goes back to just about each person I interview, they're like, when, especially if they're practitioners, the, I guess the struggle is sometimes there's certain parts of those stories that you never really talk about. So that's why even me, as I was like trying to recall it, I was like, I, the way I remembered it was like, you drove up from Grand Forks. I remember I drove up by myself. And I just remember us all being at the tournament. And I remember that was the first time. She was your girlfriend at the time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool, you know. And I remember I remember competing. I remember you recording, uh, you know, yeah. um, me yeah, competing. I I and Keaton, Keaton was the person who was coaching but didn't yeah. really compete in that tournament. So it was yeah. like funny. Like it got kind of fuzzy because I remember yeah. outside of that tournament, like, I remember when the tournament was over, I just was like, hey, I need to drive home. And I remember, now I remember, like, it was snowy as crap. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember driving home and I was like, bro, like, I can't believe I got up at like seven or so, <laughs> got here, trained, competed. And now it's like this freaking winter wonderland. I think I got home at like 10 or 11 wow. o'clock. But yeah, I remember I like now Britain. being there competing and Keaton was like coaching us and everything. And yeah. I remember like I guess like my moment where I kind of was like like this is a good dude just because like the footage was really good and then I saw that you had put it like as like an unlisted thing on your YouTube channel because you were like it's primarily like your real estate thing yeah so I was kind of like okay like I was I was happy to have the content but it really opened my eye of like the separation between like business and pleasure. And that was something oh, yeah. that always kind of like stuck to me Is like a, so what I did was I have it saved in like my watch laters and occasionally I'll go through yeah. and I'll, I'll watch it. And I remember you were like excited for me. And I think that's always a great thing is um, having your team be there to support you and be happy for your wins and successes And I remember that that arm triangle was like definitely like a moment of like, I'm just going to wing it.
1: Yeah, I remember
0: like looking up at the ref and I was like,
1: because that was a battle. That was a battle of a match. I remember that it was back and forth. That dude was really good. Mm -hmm. And like you guys were both tired, if I remember right. And And then you caught him in that. And I was like, I think he's going to get him. No way. No way. And, yeah, it's so cool that, like, sometimes I get more excited. Like, competing for me is super stressful. Like, I worry about it for weeks in advance. I'm, you know, it's really stressful on the day of. But, like, watching your teammates compete and do well is so much fun. Like, sometimes it's more exciting than doing it yourself even.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the other guests I interview, my man Trevor, like, we promoted to Blue Belt together and oh. and I've seen him complete plenty of times and I remember uh, I remember one distinct tournament where he got injured like pretty bad and like I wow. that he kind of was just like you know I'm not gonna really compete but he he still showed up and I think that is probably the biggest thing you can do I think more so probably as a younger practitioner more more so than an older one is being yeah. able to say regardless of how injured I am regardless if I I'm paying to compete, being there to support your teammates, I think yeah. is gonna the the value that it, it gives you is gonna be more it's gonna be priceless. So I think yeah. definitely being able to, oh, I'm injured, but I'm still coming to class. Hey, I'm not competing, but I'll ride with you guys and I'll go out there and support you. Cause yeah. like I think during that tournament, I mean, I I think I always I've always valued Keaton as a as a practitioner, but yeah. Because he's so good at wrestling, and that's kind of like a spot that I want to get better at. I know that when we were out there, I really took that as an opportunity to try to be a little bit more coachable. Cause I, yeah. I, I've, I've been the the nomad. Like that's why that's what my handle is on yeah. on ID. I'm the nomad where I have competed probably in as much tournaments by myself, like no coach at all, as yeah. I have with like a team. So, I'm so used to being the non coachable, just hey, I'll go out there and see what happens. As so, when I'm in an environment where I have to actually like look for a coach, like tell me what to do, like tell me what not to do, tell me how much time, like that definitely was like a moment where I realized that I was taking jujitsu, I guess, a little bit more professional by yeah. being able to be like, can you coach me? And this is what I need to hear. And I remember even in that that match, I remember hearing you guys as I'm on the bottom, like exhausted. And I was just like,
1: yeah. okay, well, win, lose,
0: or draw, my big thing is not get injured, but I hear my team is here to
1: support me. So yeah, that was that was so cool of Keaton to go do that for us when uh when he wasn't even competing himself. And that gives you it gives you an extra boost. Like Virage, I he probably started after you moved to Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever did you ever meet him or no? I didn't know. Okay. So he, he just got his brown belt and he's probably like, he's probably one of my closest friends at the gym. And he's done that like twice now that I've competed in Minneapolis and he's come down just to coach. Like you remember Dan Salvaggio? Oh right? yeah, Dan. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like me and Dan were both competing, a few other guys, Keegan and you know, Viraj just comes down he coaches and that's so cool. Cause he's giving, you know, the whole travel day, getting a hotel, uh, all that just to come help us out. And, you know, you, you feel like you just, you owe him mass massively for doing something like that for you, you know, super cool.
0: Yeah. It's good to have people with good um, like devotion to something that's like, just like your friendships, you know, especially like, yeah. we, like we talked about before, sometimes jujitsu relationships are only on the mats. So like to have people be able to take that classroom camaraderie and be able to extend it to like some of those tournaments, like you would have thought it was ADCC, how intense people go at it. So to see how many variations of tournaments that we've competed in and how serious people take it and to have people still willing to, you know, and uh, a lot of times depending on the tournament, Coaches have to pay to get in. You know what I mean? It's not even like a, Oh, Hey, uh, I'm coaching my guy. Like, let me in. There's like, no, it's like, you have to pay the spectator free fee. You yeah. just get to be closer to the mat. So, so that's really, um, definitely interesting that we, that you have had the same experience I have had as having somebody who's like invested in you coaching. And I think that's definitely, um, inspiring. So like what, what other inspirations do you have, like, outside of, like, being a big, uh, very invested professional? I, I can already assume that you're, like, very invested in your relationship, especially, like, yeah. you and your your wife. Like, you guys lived, like, pretty far apart before you guys got married?
1: No, actually. So, um, she's actually from Grand Forks. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, we, like, kind of knew of each other in high school. And, okay. Um, and then it was, like, late college- that we actually started dating. We had known each Mm -hmm. other well as friends for like a couple years before that. Um, So we started dating in like 2014. Mm -hmm. um, And then, so we've been together, yeah, eight years now. Um, But what, what inspires me? I don't know. I, uh, I think I just, I I hold myself to a high standard and I kind of, uh, you know, there's times where you feel more inspired than others something you see something you're excited about like when I get really excited about something I can work for hours and hours and hours on it like um, like recently in my business for example I've kind of created a little bit of a team with support staff and that's something I've gotten excited about really excited about uh, having an assistant and a video editor now and creating like systems for that whole thing to work that was something i got really excited about and you know there's so much that goes into that that people might not realize from the outside for it to work well whenever you have like employees you have to you have to create systems and processes for every little thing that you do so like think of something you do that you do every day that seems super easy to you you've got to like you've got to write down a checklist of how you perform that action if you want someone else to be able to perform it the same way you do. Um, so that's something I got real deep in this winter. Um, man, I don't know. I think I just, I want to be the best person I can be, um, you know, with jujitsu, fitness, uh, professional life, be as good of a husband as I can possibly be. That's really like my main priorities. And my, my inspiration is really just to like have balance amongst my priorities. Um, and you know, like, like you were saying, having a small circle of friends, like that's kind of the way I am because my energy is so devoted to those things that are important to me that I don't have a ton of energy to spend on other people and, you know, making new friends and building new relationships. Like I've got my things that are important to me and I I'm all in on those things. And, you know, I've got to, I've got to reserve my energy, my time for those things, you know? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I'm not sure if I like, I don't, I don't really like look to people for inspiration. Like Mm -hmm. there's occasionally there's somebody like, like, let's say Jocko, for example. I think we both, we both like admire him, think he's awesome, Mm -hmm. but eventually you got to just get out there and do it yourself. You know, if you, if you count on other people for inspiration too often, eventually it just wears thin. And so eventually it's got to be just like within you. Um, And those people can give you kind of a, a roadmap of where to start and what it should look like. And then eventually it's got to just become who you are.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, One thing I wanted to circle back on before we move on is, so, you know, as a married man, like, you know, I think, and I'm married as well as.
1: Oh yeah. Congratulations.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We got married in December. So. um,
1: That's exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely been a, it's been a roller coaster for sure you know um definitely uh with the military um it definitely puts you in situations where you have to make relationships decisions like very much like logically and you're like yeah. okay time frames because like you know in the military like when you get married there's a lot more paperwork necessary yeah. to bring you know, your spouse, whether they're military or civilian to bring them along with you. So it oh, sure. to be a lot more like intentional about like, okay, we're getting married. And what does this mean? How do we do this? And do we update all the paperwork? So then that way, because uh, she's military as well. She's
1: military as well. I was just mm. going to ask that. Okay. Yeah.
0: So with her being military as well, our big thing was we wanted to get married at a decent enough time to one, continue to grow to get to know each other. But also to make sure that we had all our paperwork done. So then that way, yeah. in um, uh, January of next year, we'll we'll be leaving to wherever we're gonna go. We don't know yet. Together. But then, yeah. So. Because yeah.
1: if you don't get married, you could get shipped off to one side of the globe, and she could get sent to the other side of the globe.
0: Absolutely. Right? And yeah. to the listeners who are young out there, <laughs> long distance relationships are are not for everybody. There's yeah. a lot. It, I mean, it depends on where you're at in your life. You know, I'm not a life coach or a relationship person, but I can't tell you what to do with your life. But I can tell you that long-term relationships take a lot more out of you than most people are willing to commit. And I can say yeah. my first um, my first relationship when I came into the military was long distance. Oh. And <laughs> it That's was... tough, man. It's yeah. tough because you know, being, you know, 19 years old and your friends are out partying and you're DDing them the clubs and things like that, you're not really putting that same level of uh, monk-like discipline in like, oh, let me call my girlfriend at the time and things yeah. like that. So you definitely see those things as things you got to be a little more mindful of. But the thing I wanted to ask you, um, how did you know your wife was the one? I think those are things that I think people who are like doing what you're doing right like when you're on your purpose and you're you're working on just grinding creating systems and having jujitsu and things like that i think sometimes it could be easy just to continue to like um not in a negative way but just feeding your own ego and just continue to reinvest in in yourself so yeah. i think sometimes the struggle is is Finding a woman that like fits in with all of that, but then also yeah. someone who's uh encouraging enough, inspirational enough that you want to say, I'ma skip jujitsu practice today because it's her anniversary, or I'm gonna yeah. yeah. not go to this tournament because she's not feeling well. So, like, how'd you know she was the one for you?
1: Man, so like our lives were very different when we first were dating because I was just I hadn't even started real estate yet. So mm. I think I was just delivery driving. Um, that was my job and I was working on my real estate school and she was I think she was still an undergrad. Um, and man our lives were way different. Like we've we've grown a ton together. That's one of the things I love the most about her is like she's always inspiring me to grow as a person and you know I feel like we, we encourage growth in each other. And it's not just like, we got to do everything together. Like we, we have our separate things that we enjoy. Um, but like, she loves to see me succeed in the things that I do. And I love to see her succeed in the things that she does. Um, honestly, so when did I realize that she was the one, I think I kind of knew she was the one before we even dated because Mm -hmm. we were kind of in a friendship situation because each of us had, different uh girlfriend and boyfriend at the time Mm -hmm. but i instantly like was attracted to her really liked her like she was different than a lot of other girls that i had ever met she's super fun outgoing like just she just has a powerful personality like she's a powerful person and so like that was always in the back of my mind and um but when we first started dating um probably wasn't much more than like a year or two after, mm-hmm. uh, my, I, I don't know if I've ever even told this to her or anybody else. So, mm-hmm. um, but my grandma was in the hospital and she mm-hmm. was, she was dying basically. And, uh, Sorry she, yeah. And she asked me, I remember she asked me, is, is she the one? And I had not ever, I had never thought about that really before. Um, mm-hmm. and I told her, yeah, I think she is. And began thinking about it at that stage, and uh, I didn't want to break that promise to to my grandma. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think I knew what I answered correctly with the way I really felt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was probably the first time I ever actually thought about it. You know, because when really you're young, that, man. What's that? I said, I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever told anybody that before, but it's funny that you mentioned it, it just came up. But um yeah, she like my grandma meant a lot to me and that's how she was. She was just like straight up honest, always, like wouldn't wouldn't tell you what you wanted to hear. She'd tell you what she really thought what you needed to hear. And so, yeah, like I was pretty young and immature at the time. Probably wasn't thinking that way, but that was one thing that. You know, made me start thinking that way because you know the old school people, like older people, when they were young, that's that's how they thought of things. You know, it wasn't just about chasing the newest, flashiest thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, through through a relationship, relationships are a lot of work. You know, um, and especially when you're in a long term relationship, and kind of that initial like buzz has worn off, that's when you realize like to to be a good husband or boyfriend or whatever it is at the time and to like make the relationship work it takes effort from you because if you neglect them it's not sometimes with uh relationships if you neglect your partner they're they're think of it like a flower if you don't water it it's not going to be beautiful anymore it's not going to be the person that you fell in love with and part of that's your fault you know if you don't uh if you don't take care of that relationship and take care of that person, give them the confidence that made you attracted to them to be, to begin with, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know um, I think it kind of leads me into the next piece, but I wanted to kind of like put a bow on it. Like, you know, sorry about hearing that your grandma passed away, but you know, I, I really think there's a lot of value And having those, I guess what we would call them, the straight shooters that can tell you what's real. And I think it's good to remain grounded in knowing that there's certain people who would never lead you wrong. And me and my dad, we have like a growing, better relationship. But I can say as I've gotten older, a lot of things that my dad told me to do and not to do. A lot of those things have I gotten older have turned out to be like, man, like I could have saved myself a lot of grief if I would have, oh. you know, bought more into what my dad was telling me. But all I can do is just use that uh life experience to um try to be a better sibling to my younger brother. Oh yeah. And How old is like, your brother now? My brother is i should know this let's see so i am turning 36 yeah. so he's 28 he's gonna be turning okay. 28 this year and so we're, we're, yeah so um it's like sometimes like quick math like that like my brain is like I know. I know.
1: not to <laughs> like, put you on the spot
0: yeah it's all good but uh <laughs> you know i just i and i realized as i got older you know i wanted To shield my brother from having to learn a lot of things the hard way, because I was out there just living my best life. However, so I think this podcast has really helped me, and I'm glad you were able to share that story. That's like definitely like really it's touching to me too, like to just see that because you know we as I think sometimes we as our own individuals we forget that we have people that want our the best for us no matter yeah. what. So yeah. for your grandma to I mean she's seen you grow up. She's seen you probably have little girlfriends along the way. So for yeah. her to know enough about the character of your your now wife and your now, you know, soon to be wife with child, you know. I for her to ask you that you know, there's, there's, there's like so much insight, you know what I mean? There's so much like for foresight that's included for her to be able to ask you that question because yeah. sometimes when we're in like go mode and we're just going and going and going, we forget to slow down. And then sometimes if you don't have that person to act to, to gut check you, I think that's the only way I can say it. It'd be easy to be like, Oh, I'll just let the situation go. No big deal. Yeah
1: yeah <laughs> you know what I mean it's like, like kind of change like, the mentality from just being young and having fun to like like w- you know are you are you committed? you know what i mean like is this is this for real or are you just you know and it makes sometimes you don't ask yourself those questions kind of makes you hearing the wisdom from an older person makes makes you ask those ask yourself those questions that are really important that maybe when you're young and immature that you just forget to even think about you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think I was talking to um, I was talking to somebody um the other day, and I said the biggest thing that helped my jujitsu career is the fact that I was able to see so many of the, I guess I'll call them negative, the negative jujitsu stero- stereotypes play out oh, yeah right in front of me. Yeah. So me, I started training um, in, like like consistently in 2012. That's kind of like okay. where it happened. I um, started training when I was in like tech school for the military. You know, I was the only one out of my class who was training. I was like, okay, this jujitsu thing seems pretty interesting. Yeah. And I started training 2012 to um, 2015. That's when I left from, Um, Luke Air Force Base in Arizona to go to Korea and while I was training there I saw so many of the negative stereotypes play out so for me I was able to keep myself so like grounded in my foundation of being like okay these are like jujitsu practitioner things that you just don't want to be a part of you don't want to attach to your name things like that And I think that helped me out a lot. And I think that's no different in life is having people around you to um, keep you centered and keep you like focused. And and like I've always told my people at work, like, I want the best for you more than I want the best for myself, because I'm always going to put. 110% into everything for them. So when they see me at work at 8 30 at night working on a package to get them recognized for being a superior performer, um that's something that means a lot to me. And I was thinking about just uh you know, it's kind of funny that like the podcast always makes you think about things. Uh last year I I mean she did the work, but I I took the time and I wrote the package. And one of my people at work won uh, for her tier, in the at the squadron level, which is like not for the whole med group, but for like the, her whole squadron. She won Airman of the Year. Oh and wow! I was like, Holy yo, God. that's dope, right? And yeah. I noticed that like after I wrote her package that same night, I wrote a package for myself, and I won um, Senior NCO of the Year for the squadron oh, as yeah. well. And I felt so weird because i was happy i was so happy about her accomplishment that a couple people said you know hey congrats certain squire like you did good but like i was so more so focused on the fact that she put the work in i just made it pretty and she got it that i didn't even really take a lot of time to celebrate for myself because that's just normally not who i am but i realized that that even though I try to be as selfless as I can, now that I'm, I am have this platform, I think it's about also encouraging people to, if you're taking care of the people around you, it's okay to be a little bit, uh, put yourself in the
1: limelight in some
0: circumstances, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and I'm like, like even if it's not public, you know, sometimes sometimes it's easy when you reach a certain accomplishment, maybe something you've been working for towards for a long time that it's such a short lived, uh, high that you get from it. And then it's always looking to the next thing, right? Like whether it's reaching a milestone in business or being recognized for something, then it's like, how do I get to the next level? Or like, how do I get the next one? So it's, it's good to remind yourself just to like, even if it's just between you and yourself just to like give yourself a pat on the back and, you know, be happy that you reach that. And, you know, cause those, those big things don't happen very often. And the more that you just quickly rush to the next big accomplishment, sometimes you just, you kind of take those things for granted and you take for granted all the work you put in to get there too, you know? Right.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I had the biggest, uh, shock moment uh one of the airmen who won nco the uh me not nco airman of the uh year uh she was actually the first person i interviewed for the podcast oh really yeah 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 so it's kind of funny how it all comes full circle and uh when she was at work one day she was uh she listened to podcasts as she's like doing her work or whatever and she she stopped me one day and was like you didn't tell me you got promoted to Purple Belt? And I was like, because no one cares. She's like, I care. And I was just like, well, I was like, thank you. I appreciate it. But at work, as much as I put so much effort into trying to be the best senior NCO that I can be, I also love jujitsu. And I yeah. i mean, I like, that's why it's, it, it showed me today of why this podcast is necessary for a couple of different reasons. One, um, um, this morning I went up, I got up early, went to the gym. I'm um, I'm in a, currently I'm on a master's program. My first class, I got a lot of self doubt about that. Oh. And I'm trying to figure out this homework assignment, what this paper needs to look like and try not to take an L in my first class in my <laughs> math program. And then I'm, uh, I'm posting on social media about like, we're going to class today. So I'm like pumped up for that. Now I'm like, it's like an hour before class. I'm like, you got to go to class now. You talked about it enough, right? And I want to go yeah. there and capture content and all of that, right? So then I'm like, okay, so I go to jujitsu and I literally get home. And I think I had messaged you earlier and I was like, hey, it's a four day weekend. Dah, dah, dah. Yeah. You know, like, let's set this podcast up. And you message me and you're like, hey, like I have white space at this time. And I'm like literally looking at the clock and I'm like, I could sleep for three Ow. hours, maybe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Thank God
1: it's but a long I, weekend. Say again. Thank God it's a long weekend. Right? Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I but oh I
0: realized in that moment, I was like, this is like, this is that David Goggins moment of like. You 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 ask for it, right? This is what you want. You want to make this platform. You want to like show that you are dedicated to your craft, and you need content. So, suck it up and do it, right? Yeah. So I jump yeah. in the bed, and I'm like, okay. And then we get up, and we get the podcast going. And I just think about all the the memories that we had, and all the training sessions we had. And you know, um, I remember as like a very season bluebells what i would consider myself when we were training i was just like man i'm just grinding but this this other guy this blue belt dude is like keeping me on my freaking toes like i'm like i'm like i got four stripes i should be i should be at a certain place so i think about all the memories that we had and all the training and things like that and just to see like i think every interview i've had somebody shared a story that's happened recently or something they didn't think. So it just it just really makes me feel like this was meant to happen. You know what yeah, I mean? Like this yeah. was like the perfect aligning of the stars to just take somebody that um, I've trained with, you know, we worked it out, we follow each other on social media. We you know we we like a lot of the same MMA fighters, and you know, we we just have been like our paths just been crossing for so long. And yeah. It's just,
1: I appreciate you staying in touch too, after you leave, because like, that's, that's cool. Cause you know, we train together for so long and then you move halfway across the world and like that you make the effort to stay in touch too. Like not everybody who moves and leaves is good about that. Like Logan's been awesome about that. You've been good about that, you know, cause it, that's the thing that sucks about living in Grand Forks is we, you meet so many cool people, you know, whether it's, whether it being a college town and air force town and so many people leave and you know, I really I appreciate the effort on your part to like you know s- stay connected and s- you know stay up on what each other's doing and everything you know it's it's cool. I remember yeah. when we were when I first started jujitsu. Uh, I think it was probably like one of my first open mats, or at least it's the first open mat that you and I rolled at. And mm-hmm. I remember you gave me one of the worst beatdowns. Oh my god! I remember everybody was giving me beatdowns, but there was guys who were like you know roughly like maybe they're less athletic or less strong i was like god this guy how am i ever going to be able to hang with this guy he's like he's good and he's strong and he's athletic and i remember you just like did whatever you wanted with me and it was <laughs> by far the worst beat down that i had gotten to that day it was hilarious i remember yeah and too. then
0: later on i see you and logan experimenting with all the death leg locks that <laughs> man had created and i was like oh so the equalizer has come. So yeah, yeah it definitely, <laughs> definitely in the beginning, it definitely was uh, a lot of just, I had uh, a lot of years of technique of built up yeah. at different schools. And then towards the end, I could definitely tell when we were competing, it definitely was heads or tails. And I, and I just love, I think that's the thing why it's easy to stay connected with me for certain people, is I think the people like I always have people in jujitsu I've trained with, but the people that I had that were like what I call my nemesis people, like I connect with them at a certain level. So there's certain things that as soon as I see them, like when I think of you and Logan, if it's athletic or a leg lock something, I'm like, oh yeah, this video Yeah. If I think if it's like a gritty grinding type thing i think of jeremy because jeremy oh, yeah. and me like i think me and him were probably the most like going back and forth as far as like he'd be trying to wrist lock me i yeah, be trying to
1: yeah. wrist lock. Like, it,
0: <laughs> so it's like you you train with people so much that you learn their games and yeah. like what where they're where they're where they like to be so then later on um you're like okay when you when you see something it's like oh i have a good memory of you let me just send this to you you yeah. know and I I remember um correct me if I'm wrong but you and your your wife yeah, I went to Tulum I
1: think right? yeah 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 so I kind of pay attention oh, yeah. i remember
0: seeing seen it on IG and I remember you had your shirt off and I was like this this dude is like way more in shape than I am so- dude
1: I when COVID hit I got myself a weight set for my home gym so then okay. I, I've been taking lifting way more seriously ever since then no nice. yeah. I would, Dude, but, you know it's kind I of actually got to life. train in Tulum. It was so much fun. Um,
0: is that where they have like the wood gym, like with all the wooden weights and stuff, or no, is that different? Yeah, weights?
1: yeah, I got to lift at that place. That's okay. called the Jungle Gym. But then there's yeah. this like I didn't take any pictures of it, but there's this rooftop where they've got mats out, and this local group of jujitsu guys trains all the time. And like when I was there, this like this black belt from uh, John Danaher's competition team was mm-hmm. there got to roll with him and like you see pictures on like kind duarte or cyborg or all these like superstar jujitsu guys and they're all at the same rooftop when they go to tulum it's pretty sick that's dope that was one of the coolest training experiences and the guys were they were all good and they were all awesome dudes yeah it was so much fun
0: yeah that's awesome and you know um i think that's the thing that i i see now the value of it like that i've done it a little bit but just traveling internationally, I think it like gets you out of like we talked about earlier in the podcast today. We talked about getting out of your comfort zone. And yeah. I mean, my most recent trip um was to Dubai just by myself. Oh, and
1: I, think I, I remember it seeing was
0: it. pretty awesome. You know, I didn't get a chance to do any jujitsu out there because unfortunately like the jujitsu in Dubai is not uh we'll just say it's not very tourist friendly is i guess the best way when i was doing my research and stuff it just didn't seem it didn't seem like a real drop in type of place it seemed like you kind of needed to know like us a way to get into it where other places like um just a while ago i was in texas and a dude i trained with um back in korea in uh, 2016 time frame i dropped in his gym it was no issue like i took over there um we trained Um, His black belt showed me some cool ninja stuff and then he took me home, dropped me off at the hotel and it was like perfectly easy. But here or there, just like, but I think traveling internationally has been great as far as being able to smell the roses a little bit, but I think it also showed me about just being culturally aware a little bit more. So like when you meet, I think we've all trained, you know, any person who's a practitioner, you probably have trained with somebody who took jujitsu not in an unhealthy way, but just in general, way more serious than you did. Yeah. And you sit yeah. back and you watch their development, and you're like, holy crap, this yeah. person is is just on a totally different level. They're, you know, they're you can tell they're they're doing a lot of tape study on the weekends. Yeah. They're they're doing all the extra roles, they're paying for privates, they're they're rolling from, you know, they're, they're doing all the warm ups. You know, they're not doing the purple belt, skip out on warm ups thing. They're yeah. doing all the warm ups. They're stretching and they'll roll until no one else wants to roll, you know, and you're yeah. like, bro, like this person is all like a totally different, you know.
1: Yeah. Level. that There's a guy who comes to mind right away, and he probably started after you left, but Emmanuel at PMA, man, that guy, he's. I don't know how long he's been training now. He just finally got his blue belt, thank God. But when he was a white belt, man, he was he was giving us purple belts a hard run. And he's he's like long and lanky, athletic, and has like really – he's such a sharp kid. He's su- super smart. So he learns like really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Man. It, and unfortunately, he moved too because he was here for – he was in ground forks for school. Mm-hmm. But he was like that where he was – him and his roommate, they both trained – And his roommate's an awesome dude too. He also just moved and they would be drilling with each other constantly outside of class. He was, yeah, he's like that. What you just described. Yeah. So it, it, it just, it just
0: shows that like at the end of the day, there's only so many hours in the day. So I think it, it just shows you have to just find, get in where you can make it happen. And Like I think as both of us are like very busy and getting increasingly busy. I think um, what I, my, my mindset with jujitsu is I may not go as many days as I would love to go, but whenever I do go, I try to be as locked in as possible. I try to be, I'm not BSing. I'm not doing no small talk. Like when I trained last night, I'm kind of glad I had the discipline to, I think I did three rolls, maybe four. Yeah. You know, total exhaustion and I was tired yeah. and I was like okay going home to my wife like I gotta get out of here yeah. and then it worked out perfectly because like the podcast happened so I'm like I oh, know yeah. if I would have rolled two extra rolls and showered and ate dinner I there's no way I would have been able to like pull it together because <laughs> yeah but but you know that's just how life is but I think yeah. it's just about that balance and You know, I know as a dad, you know, your, your kid's going to come first, but um, my boy TJ, he's the second person I did an interview with. He, he, he has, he just had a kid. And the thing I would, I I would recommend to most practitioners out there is, you know, it's one thing to find a woman who's okay with you doing jujitsu, but, it's so important to find a woman who understands jujitsu is like a necessity. It's like yeah. needing water and air. And I think yeah. if you could find a woman who can respect that, honor that and support that, I think you might be lucky enough to find someone who's the
1: one, who, who who's the one like oh, yeah. John's wife here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she's got her thing too, you know, like she, she's big into CrossFit. That's her thing. So, mm-hmm she's been doing that even while she's pregnant, she's still crushing it with CrossFit. And so that she's got her community there. And I think that helps her understand too, because like, like I said, she's more social than I am. And like, it's really important to her to not only go to the gym, you know, do CrossFit workout and feel amazing from that. I don't know if you ever done one of those, but like, that's a good endorphin rush and you bond. So like when you're suffering with people like that every day there, you're going to bond with them you know, there's, and it's similar to what we go through in jujitsu, you know, like we we're talking about each other being our toughest roles in the gym and like those guys who you have those battles with, that's, that's a, a bond that you don't really get outside of that. I don't think, you know, I'm sure military is similar cause you struggle together and you probably even closer that, uh, even more exaggerated than what I'm talking about just with like jujitsu or CrossFit or whatever. But Yeah, it's a bond that is hard to find in modern life where everything's so easy, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I would say, I think when I first came in the military, I think it was definitely a lot more of the, we work together, we cry together, like really, we go through everything together. But I think currently, I feel like it's more so like people come in, they do their job and what's expected. And I think people... I think people in the military have given a lot over time Mm -hmm. and the military is like more so centered into get the job done and go home to your family. So I think now what I'm trying to do is trying to keep at least a little bit of the, yeah, we work hard together, but we can be humans and go to lunch or dinner sometime together. I'm trying to keep that part alive because, you know, yeah, if you're fortunate enough to have a spouse or a significant other, yeah getting off work on time and going home to the things you love, you know, your, your significant other, your pets, you know, whatever your hobbies are is great, but not everybody has that, you know, and that's, that's the, that's another reason for this podcast is to hopefully inspire some people to get out there and be more social. So that way you have outlets and you have a way to like disconnect from work and uh, you know,
1: It also, you're in a leadership position too. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that extra time and effort, whether it's, even if it doesn't feel like time and effort, that relationship building, I think it probably makes you a stronger leader and earns you more respect in the eyes of the people who, you know, who look up to you. Cause you can have the position of being a leader, but there's a lot of people I'm sure you've seen in the military who are in positions of leadership that aren't actual real leaders. They just have the title, you know. Oh,
0: hundred hundred percent, you know. And I think, I think where I realize that I'm, um, doing the right thing as best I can is, is I never have anybody, I guess, say that I'm not putting the time in. Cause yep. I think it's really clear about that. I think a lot of times what I notice is when people want stuff from me, I think a lot of times they, they have to really audit themselves and say, are they willing to stay as late as it takes <laughs> or come yeah. in come early as yeah. it takes? And I think that's where sometimes I think people end up having missed opportunities with me is I'm, although I have a wife and I don't have any kids yet, I got, to uh, step dogs, I guess you could call oh, yeah. them. <laughs> so um, I have things I could totally want to do, but what I've always been committed to doing is is if my people need me, and you give me enough heads up, and we can work it out, um, I will give it to you. And like my mental, my mental pers- perspective is just like jujitsu days are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So. I know that I can't commit that I'll go each one of those days. But when I think about making sacrifices for my people or for homework or whatever else, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can get me till nine o'clock at night and I'm not going to complain as long as I got some food and some water, I'll be fine. We'll make it through. But I try to keep that jujitsu time sacred because I think as I, if you give up, your 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 sanctuary time i think you can like really start encroaching on your boundaries more than are probably long-term sustainable
1: yeah with with my job as well like you're kind of 24 7 on call and especially in a crazy market people want to look at houses at all times and Mm -hmm. you do kind of have to set those expectations because like i i can't work 24 hours a day every day and just be be there at a snap of finger like i'll i'll make sure that if you want evening and weekend showings, we got to make sure we have some advanced notice just so I can plan accordingly with my, th- you know um, I think it's all about, yeah. Boundaries, like you said, and setting the right expectations because yeah, you do have to protect the, the time. You have to protect your time. Like your time is your most valuable asset. I think um, it's like your time and your energy are more valuable than money. You could have what all people, all the people who have a ton of money, they, They will trade money for time, like 10 out of 10 times, Um, you know, preserving your energy so you can put it towards the things that are important and preserving your time so you can spend it um, in accordance with your values and with your priorities. Uh, You know, that's, I think that's a major key because if if you don't do that, you're not going to be happy and you're not going to be taking care of yourself and you're not going to be taking care of the people around you the way that you should be.
0: Yeah, and um you you tied it up because that was the last piece of it of the um the acronym, um, which is just the energy piece. I think yeah, it's it takes so much like fortitude to being able to like people are not business, but people can be your business, and you have to be willing to understand the same way is if you cancel something at outside of the window that you're supposed to, you have to pay a fee. You know what I mean? If you like, if you basically, if you default on what your things are in a lot of other areas, you have to pay some type of cost. And I think it's so important to sometimes let people have to not in a negative way, but some people need to like experience that, like, life is not always just like fluid like sometimes there's like black and white of of the way things need to be and i think sometimes people aren't very comfortable with dealing with like with somebody like enforcing like a a structure on them but i think the biggest thing that's built my character um as a man is just being in jujitsu training your butt off and going from like one stripe Two stripe, three stripe, four stripe, and then you're at four stripes. And as you're at four stripes, or the belt above you, you you know two or three people in class that you feel like you can hang with them and give them yeah, a tough time. That's a good feeling, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you know it's that's like the oh, you're like, okay. And and that goes back to what I was saying before. Like that was a, uh, I think I learned in jujitsu early on is as a white belt, I was rolling with blue belts and i was like this person should be a purple belt according to my calculations right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. i just was like okay and then you know as when you're a four strike white belt you start giving certain blue belts problems and you're like i think i'm ready so yeah. i think it's it's very telling that jujitsu has kept me humble because you know i remember when i left grand forks like i was like in my big in my scheme of what i saw in myself I was, like, doing the, like, I was auditing myself, like, okay, I'm, like, four stripes, you know, on my, you know, uh on my belt, I'm, like, I'm hanging in there with all the other blues, giving them problems, uh, the purples, I'm keeping them honest, you know, like, I know Lucas just got his uh, brown belt, but yeah me and him, like, yeah. and he definitely had a weight advantage, and there would be times where I would still be like trying to keep up with him, and I was like, "Man," and and you know, cheating on base, you know, that was a big yeah, I can big imagine push for me too. Is like, I think about I was at Grand Force for three years, and a whole to be honest, like a year and a half of it, I didn't even know or put any zero zero uh, hours worth talking about into PMA. Because I was just into just building up the base, because I oh, wanted to, to yeah. put my energy into those guys. That's why when you guys saw me, it was kind of like, where did this dude come from? And yeah, I was just teaching, yeah. just teaching basics and just doing that. And I think it still was for the for the best for my long term development as a person.
1: Yeah. How much necessary. did that develop your technique? Having to revisit that stuff to <laughs> the point where you could teach it. Because
0: a lot, yeah. because so the way I learned jujitsu in the very beginning. Was um a guy named Randy. He's a black belt. He used to arm bar me in like forever. That's what he used to just do. So I would just get caught in a move over and over and over again. And then I would just learn the defense. And then I really didn't get better. I just was like, okay, I'm just going to be more defensively sound. But when I got to Grand Forks and I was kind of like co teaching and learning as well, my basics got very good so like yeah. my how to apply a kimura and Kimura defense got better my americana defense and attack triangles arm bars all those things so then when i got to pma and i started learning more of the like fancy things i was able to like know where to settle and where to like explode and i think yeah. that's where it kind of helped me for a little while when I was training with you guys as a brand new guy. Cause like you said, I am pretty like naturally strong. I got good grips. I have like a pretty good base. So yeah. I would find spots where I could rest. And then what happened was as y'all got better, I started seeing that a lot of those rest spots weren't safe for me. Oh, and then yeah. I was like, okay, now I have to like add another layer and a little yeah. layer. So it kept me on and So, but I think, as much as it helped me with my basics, I think it just really showed me that as much as like the podcast is not perfect, it's a work in progress, but it's something that I've, I'm growing a lot of passion into doing. My teaching wasn't perfect. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, my teaching literally was, what did I know? Uh, Sometimes stealing things that Ken taught me, Or a lot of days I literally was just pulling up a YouTube video, watch it three or four times and be like, let's YOLO this thing out. But I could see that the people who were showing up when I could have definitely been in the bed or drove home and the people who were showing up every time I was like, this is the thing that I should be doing. And then when we think about maybe kind of um, tying it all together with the acronym is like, I feel like I left a really good legacy at Grand Forks of, yeah. on base of teaching those guys. I felt inspired enough to really try my best to facilitate a turnover of all those guys over to PMA. Yeah, uh, which you know I don't even think realistically like that's something that people typically do. You know what I'm yeah. saying? To be like I cultivated, you know, from a like you're a business guy from a fight. Like, granted, I wasn't making any money, but from yeah. like a a practical financial standpoint, no one would really be like, Hey, I built up all these people, you know what I mean? And they've invested all their time and effort in I'm going to facilitate a turnover and say, Hey, this is your new jujitsu gym, you know? Yeah.
1: But it's, it's, you care about them and their development. You don't want them to fall off there. You want their journey to continue, you know? So you, you, yeah, it shows, it shows that you care about, about them beyond just, you know, long after you're gone, you want them to continue what you started them on, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, I think that's just really, um, really where you realize that certain things are like bigger than yourself. So you just have to be committed to the process. And I'm just happy to have people like you that um, are encouraging, you know, I appreciate you sharing your, your, your time with me today and just putting your energy and just, just really sharing how you became the person that you are. And I think it's really great for people to just see that, that to be a better person, you have to be willing to put the time in all the different areas and everybody's foundation of what they're going to do to be who they're, who they want to be is different. So from, from what I gather, is like your commitment to yourself has really helped you be a really good professional. And then you've been able to like build out from there where I know other people, I think they have maybe like a more of a like fluid mindset where they're like, look, I'm going to work the amount of hours I need to just to make sure I, I have like my essentials uh, that I need and keep it moving. Like a good example of that that just came to my mind is I remember this massage therapist I had out in, uh, out in Fargo. Oh, and gosh. she told me, she said, she said, I'm like the number two most requested massage therapist in this office. There's only one other person who's there. I can get as many hours as I want. But where I'm at in my life, I'm literally only going to work the amount of hours I need to, to pay my bills. Oh yeah. And for me, that has always been like a, like, you know, David Goggins says, don't leave anything on the table. And you as a person, you know, kind of tying it back into you, you as a person who, you know, like you said, when you're in the real estate market, there's feast or famine. So you have to just financially always be budgeting in a very conservative way to give yourself a little bit of buffer If you hit a downswing, but for this person to I guess maybe they were just that comfortable and and solid in their life that they would turn down that opportunity is always stuck with me as a is a maybe that person has hit a level of stability that I'm just not comfortable leaning into at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Everybody's different, that it'd be interesting to hear the reasons behind it, you know, because everybody's got something philosophically. That's, that's the reason that drives them to want to want to either do more or maybe she wants time to do other stuff. But yeah, I think like, like we said, I think it boils down to finding balance and how you can, you, you know, balance is a constant, you know, a constant effort that it takes to try to be more balanced and then be better at all the areas. And then, uh, And, you know, sometimes maybe you've put more work into one thing than another thing. And now you've got to build up the other things to stay in balance. Um, You know, I think it's different for everybody. Everybody's got their own journey and their own reasons and their own priorities. But I think uh, everybody could probably tell you what's important to them. And you just got to find a way to figure out how you're going to how you're going to balance it and how you're going to commit to it. And then just become, you know, once you kind of get some momentum, you kind of just be, you become that person. That's just who you are and that's what you do. And then you have those high expectations of yourself where it doesn't matter if you're motivated, doesn't matter if you're feeling good, you're taking the actions and you're doing the things you need to do to keep growing and, you know, keep keep doing your thing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So um, towards the end, I always like to give the guests an opportunity to um, do any shout outs or any things they want to like uh make sure aren't lost but the other thing i also like to give them the opportunity to do is if there's any quotes or books or anything that you can think of that could be uh, a value to share because you know i think a lot of times people have like their their go-to things like some people might be spiritual maybe it's you know like a Bible, uh, like some type of biblical text or something like that. But like, what, what are some like closing things that you think that you would want the listeners to take away? And are there any quotes that when you find yourself maybe having some doubt or some questions that you're like, Oh yeah, this quote gets me through type thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There, you know, there's probably a dozen books I could recommend that have helped me in my business life. But, um, They're probably the same books that you'll hear in a million other podcasts, but a quote that I really like, and I have it written down in my office, and I can't remember where I originally saw it, but, um, the quote is go as far as you can see. And when you get there, you'll be able to see farther. Mm -hmm. And I think that applies to a lot of things in life, whether you're really struggling and you're digging yourself up from rock bottom, you go as far as you can see right now. And when you get there, you'll be able to see further. Just keep going. And if you're, if life's amazing and you still got higher goals that you want to reach, you know, I'm sure you're the same way. Like if we would have thought of what our goals were 10 years ago, um, where we've reached today would probably seem impossible, you know, in a lot of things, whether it's grappling or business or life in general. Um, I, I think it, your perspective changes as you advance and all you, you can't worry about the stuff you don't know about yet. You just got to go as far as you can go.
0: I appreciate that. You know? So I guess the last thing I want to say is just, um, I just can't tell you how grateful I am for you to come on here and give me, um, I think it's funny. Like I, I, I feel like I'm trying to do the podcast for, for people, but I keep finding myself um, very blessed and very grounded by the people that I interview. And it just makes me, I guess, appreciate you more just to know you at a level that I didn't know you previously. I
1: yeah. wish
0: you the best in um, business. I uh, miss you the best in jujitsu, uh, fatherhood, <laughs> marriage. I just, you know, continue to just wish you the best. And I'm really glad that. Um, that we kept a relationship on the mats and social media to a level that we could be able to connect, but it just felt like way overdue. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I got other interviews, I got a black belt that I, that my first black belt I've ever trained under, you know, he's uh he's on the docket of someone oh, that's to cool. interview. And I know that's going to be like mind blowing to me to think like this guy took me from, puzzle mats in a in a ballroom on base to like here i am uh going on let's see 2012 so like almost 10 years of training yeah. pretty much and here i am a, a purple belt still trying to like figure my life out and uh to interview him is going to be like definitely like interesting from uh a, from a, like a professor standpoint and yeah and think, i'm sure think you're so
1: happy to see how, how far you've come and the persistence to stick with it because He's probably seen a million people come and go, you know. That's
0: exactly what I was just going to say is, like, we think about our level as, like, I would say blue and purple is, like, that intermediate area where you're just kind of, like, you see what you see, but you don't see everything. Yeah, And we see how many people we see that don't don't finish the journey. We'll see yep. some people who will come and go and, and they'll try to stay with it, but you'll see some people who just, like, out, done. Like, yep. they're, like, this jujitsu thing isn't part of my life and i think something i I will say that always stuck stuck with me i don't know if you ever heard it but i was always told if you make it the purple belt jujitsu is going to be in your life forever yeah that's what i was always told so that was always my mental like like you just said in your quote like that was just staying true to the path (laughs) <laughs> and you'll be able to see farther. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of like my my bluebell journey was. If I I know I love this, I want to do it forever. And then when I finally got promoted to purple, I was like, okay,
1: this they're is it. right. Yeah. This and now is, you can see further, right?
0: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You know, um, when I look at the whole crew of guys that I train with down there at PMA, and I think of. I think I mean all the purples I remember is like right that right, I remember off of social media is you, Jeremy, Brandis, Riley. Yeah,
1: Jenna, yeah. Jenna, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Jenna, Jenna, yep, you know what I mean? There.
0: Like just like seeing all these, all of us just going at it and then like, you know, we all had our own time and and I think just trusting the process of of our professor to know that they've seen enough people come and go that they know what that looks like.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard this, and this is the last thing I'll say before we wrap it up is uh, my old coach, John Krause used to say, he's like, you know, the goal is when I promote you, I should be able to pick you up, drop you anywhere in the world, and you should be competitive with anybody within your belt. Yeah. And that has been my mindset. And I think that has been the best blessing that I've Never had a professor fast track me or anything like that. Uh, because I really do believe, like, in legacy and lineage of anybody who my name is attached to as a practitioner, I want to make them proud, yeah. And it makes me feel really great that my boy Thomas here, who's a purple belt, uh, we got a dude named here, Robert, who's a purple belt, and a couple other people, and to see. The clash of the titans that happened with us—it—it it makes me so blessed that I—I've had, uh, upstanding training partners like yourself and professors to continue to cultivate my game to be yeah. where it's at today. So yeah,
1: absolutely, it's better to do it the hard way, uh, and to, you know, be—it's re- much better to be a better than average purple belt a really really good purple belt than a below average brown belt you know oh yeah that's much better well hey i know you got to wrap up but um man this conversation was super beneficial to me and it was just it was good to have a heart to heart with you it's kind of like you forget that it's being recorded at times you -hmm. know it's but it's it was awesome to catch up with you and i'm super happy for all your successes and wish you and your wife the best i'm happy you guys got married happy that life is good out there in japan i appreciate you staying up late for me too
0: oh you know what anytime and you know um right now i'm in the in the the rotation of just getting first time guests but if you ever want to come back to the platform uh please let me know i'm pretty sure yeah there's plenty of other things that we can share so um please uh look in the description box all his uh backstories and socials will be down there and just thanks for everybody tuning in to the squire empire podcast signing out